G'day guys, welcome to the Set of Six podcast with Clarky and Ozza, a weekly podcast where we touch on six of the largest um, topics in our game. Uh, we'll start off, Oz, how are you today? A um, bit tired, um, but I'm still here, happy and ready to talk about some footy. Awesome, and um, of course I do want to apologise for last week, guys. Um, it was my fault we missed the show, Ozza was rearing, ready to go. Uh, I had surgery a couple of days ago. I had some, a lot of personal stuff going on. I was on night shifts, and um, overall, I just didn't manage my time well enough, and um, we had to give the podcast a miss. Um, most of this today will be fine um, listening via the audio option. If you are watching via the video option, um, of course, we will have a video coming up halfway through the show. Um, so I'll go over what we're going off today, guys. We're going to go over re-signing coaches um, in particular, talking about Dean Pay, Kalen Ponga to fullback, is it too early? Um, the Polotoni KO punch, that is, of course, the video we'll be showing. Um, you've probably seen it by now, regardless. Um, Ferguson wants back into the blue side. Tevita Pengai Jr. looks like he's close as well. What is our 17 this early in the season? I know, guys, um, Origin is truly becoming a whole round, um, whole round the year. What am I trying to say here? Um, discussion, you whole guys, year. Yeah, yeah, whole year discussion. You, you guys know what I meant. Um, our next one is: Will the Cowboys continue to struggle without Jason Tamalalo? And we'll touch on just how influential he is or is not to that side. And lastly, Greg Inglis has been told if he requires painkilling injections, medication, etc., he will not be played by Wayne Bennett. Let's jump straight into our first topic today, Oz. Um, yep. Resigning of coaches. So Dean Pay recently extended by twelve months. Um, we'll get. We'll start off with first. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Is that a good move by the Bulldogs or silly move? Um, a bit of a silly move if you just sort of look at the position the Bulldogs were in going into the game against the Tigers. Obviously, that they did win, and hopefully their season turns around. And my um, my latter prediction is that bit closer to coming true. Mm-hmm. But with the position they were obviously in coming into the season as well, you'd think they'd go for a more I guess the same approach that the Eels are going with with Brad Arthur, which I know we'll touch on in a moment, mm-hmm. um, and maybe not offering that contract till there's a bit of a better idea of where the Bulldogs are going to end up in 2019. Because at the moment for me, look, they're a good young side, you know, a bit of inexperience, and I still don't think they'll make the eight, but I don't think they'll do ter- terribly. Um, at the moment, the Bulldogs are one of those sides that you sort of don't know about for a lot of people. I know they are the favourites for the spoon, mm-hmm. but, well, at least they were coming into the, to the season. But, um, yeah, it's just a weird one for me because they're a team, they're not like Melbourne where they're expected to finish in the top four this year and Craig Bellamy, you know, they'd, they'd re-sign him before the year even begins for five years if they could. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Dean pays more one of those where you've probably got to wait till there's probably only a couple of months left on that contract to really go okay, um, you know, you've proved this, we're going to re-sign you, or you haven't done this, we're not going to re-sign you. Mm. I'm going to go to my phone here because I did write a column on this and I have um, the exact percentage of wins he has since taking over the club. I believe last weekend was only his ninth win since taking over the club. Um, Before that, he sat at 31%. So what you're essentially saying is, He's not the sort of coach you need to lock up long-term because there's not going to be too much external interest. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, uh, The other thing as well, he's a rookie coach. The Bulldogs is his first gig, so it's not like you could say, I guess, where it's like 
Daz Hasler, for example, um, there is an argument for if Manly don't do well and they're looking to get rid of him, there could be outside interest for Daz Hasler because of what he did because you know, he, back he, at Manly, because of his history, because exactly. of his resume, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where Dean Pay doesn't have that resume. Um, so, yeah, exactly. They don't. They didn't really need to do this. Um, I guess with the length of the deal as well, only another year deal, that's more understandable, only one year. Yeah. But the timing of the deal is very strange to me. Mm, that's where I'll jump in on the one-year deal. So for me, I'm the opposite to you. I think it's not a bad idea because it is only that extra year. And I know this is certainly something you've touched on before, but this isn't Dean Pay's Bulldogs side yet. He has much, muchly inherited Des Hasler's mess. Um, and yeah. since he's taken over the club, he's had to release players like Aaron Woods, David Clemmer, Moses Embai. Those are obviously three players you don't want to lose. Um, Clemmer has gone on to be one of the best forwards last year in origin woodsy he fell off a little bit but he's still part of that origin squad and of course Embai is now the club captain of the tigers so three influential leaders you would not want to lose and he had to as a result um he was on nrl 360 last night and he spoke about wanting to target a franchise player someone like a cameron smith a kaylin ponga someone of that caliber for the bulldogs and I think that's a good start for him. A solid player that sits somewhere within that spine that he can start to sort of build his own team around. Um, and he does have options with younger guns coming through the game. Uh, grades, Oz, because we know the Bulldogs won the New South Wales Cup last yep. year. Um, we've already seen a couple of them come through. Um, we've seen Jaden Ockenbar. We've seen Lachlan Lewis, Reese Martin, Remy Smith. Um, we're starting to see others like Chris Smith. Um, he played in the Indigenous All-Stars game. There's still great young centers like Morgan yep. Harper ready to come through. So he will have um, increasingly options coming through on cheaper deals in the next couple of years whilst he will be able to potentially target a larger name. And then as we've seen at Newcastle, once you get the one big name, the Kalen Ponga, then the Mitchell Pierce comes, then the David Clemmer comes, et cetera, et cetera. I think he needs that extra year to get the ball rolling and start to build his own squad. Uh, would you sort of agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Uh, the Bulldogs, up until this point, have been known for at least having one really good player in their side or one notable player. Mm -hmm. It sort of looks like... You could say at the moment that's Dylan Napa just because of what he's done at the Roosters beforehand. But at the moment, it's looking like that player is being groomed to be Lachlan Lewis at the moment. Mm -hmm. However, I think that's probably still a couple of years away before he's really good, and I hope he's still at the Bulldogs for that. Um, they probably do need to go out and sign someone, and I'm not entirely sure. Is it this year their financial sort of, sort of troubles and their, their sanctions? I believe they had a couple um, of sanctions. I don't believe that. they have a salary cap sanction. I believe Manly's the only team with Manly. that. Um, but in terms of salary cap issues, yeah, uh, they, they're definitely paying a lot of other players. In fact, yeah. they paid Moses M by almost 200k to verse them the other day. <laughs> yeah, so it's not so it's not that they've got to pay any money to the NRL or anything like that. I'm just confirming it's only to the players. Mm -hmm. So I'll, look, once... I'll jump in here because I really yeah. like that point you brought up about them not having a franchise player currently. You touched on Napa. And I yeah. agree, he appears to be the only real standout there given he was in origin last year and he won a premiership. But here's some stats um, courtesy of NRL.report on Instagram, guys. Great uh, great page, yeah. really great yeah. designs. Um, meters, this is um, since 2016, Oz. Clemmer, 165. Napa, 79. 
minutes. Uh, Clemens paid an extra 10. He takes 17.3 runs a game. Narp only takes 10. Um, and 200-plus meter games. Clemens had 14. Narpa's had zero. And uh, Clemens only played one extra game in that time. So it's yeah. really concerning. As you said, they do not have a franchise player at that club at the moment. Yeah, well, I think with that situation, it was more of a case of them not wanting to get rid of Clemmer to get Napa through the door. It was, okay, Clemmer's wanted to go to Newcastle. He's gone now. Mm-hmm. Who's who's available, know, essentially? Who, who's available? Who's the best player that we can get within our budget? And I believe Napa was probably the best. Yeah, and that would have been Dylan Napa. I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head that would have um, that would have filled that role like Napa. So, um mm. Yeah, you know, it's just a matter of getting the best that you can. And believe me, you know, great resume for Napa. He is that big player at the moment, but let's sort of think of some of the players that they've had in the past for a second. I mean, um, you go back, Hazamel Masri, of course, only winger, but still was a big player. Josh Reynolds when he was there. Yes, yeah. now he's not playing in the NRL, but back at the Bulldogs, he was so influential. Mm-hmm. David Clemmer, for example. Yeah. Um, James Graham. Before you that, know, it, it was players like well, um, their forward pack, Willie Mason, Rennie Mitchell. Yeah. They had Sonny Bill coming through the grades. So they've always sort of had that next star waiting in the ranks. Yeah. And this is um, probably the first period in this decade where the Bulldogs don't have that. Uh, we've pretty much covered all that. So we'll move on to other coaches that are yet to be re-signed. So currently only Mary McGregor and Brad Arthur remain unsigned past this season. Um, my piece on it, Oz, the clubs are in the best position here. The coaches, not so much. Yeah. Because neither club now has sort of the urgency to need to re-sign their coach. The Dragons aren't going to target Brad Arthur, and the Eels aren't going to target Mary McGregor. They're both sort of at that mid-range coaching level. Um, yeah. Dragons, since Mary's taken over, have been around the eight, and Brad Arthur has had the Eels top four last year, but obviously, uh, sorry, the year before that, and then last year was a disaster. But I think you'd have to agree, neither one of those clubs are going to be looking to poach either of those coaches. Um, a- anything else from you? Because uh, if I can just finish by saying, um, for me, if I'm the clubs right now, I am, yes, we are in the best spot. If he's crap, we've got other options. We've got Tuvi, we've got um, Justin Holbrook from St. Helens, and we could potentially have Trent Barrett. Whereas for the coaches, they'd have to be a little bit worried about their job security, I feel. Yeah, 100%. Um, again, I say the Dragons are probably in sort of the same boat as the Eels where they're not really guaranteed anything this year. Mm. So let's wait till we're halfway through the season, see where we're sitting, see if we can get finals footy, see if we're in form at the moment, mm-hmm. just see what's going on um, and also see what's going on off the field as well. I, I dare say that that was probably an influencer on the Bulldogs re-signing Dean Pay at this point. There's obviously a lot behind the scenes that we don't that we don't get to see. Um, you know, Dean Pay must have a pretty good relationship, I guess, with the playing group, with the staff, with everyone, for them to want to re-sign him as well. So you've got to take that into account, but obviously, largely, it is what's going on on the field. And you know, I think the Eels and the Dragons are definitely taking the right approach. Mm, definitely. We'll move on to tackle two, Oz. Kalen Ponga, halves experiment is over. He has been shifted back to fullback. What do you make of that? Is that too early for the change or are you happy for that occurring now? Well, I think it was too early to move him to 5'8 in the first place. I mean, he'd only played his first full season of first grade at fullback and it worked. I've said this multiple times before and I'll say it later um, in one of our segments a bit later. Don't fix what ain't broke. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was playing good at fullback. Um, Watson was good in the halves. I don't see why you need to change that. And it's to me sort of felt like making change for the sake of making change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people were rushing, oh, he's going to be the next Darren Lockie. You know, he'll, he'll start out at fullback, move to 5'8", play a little crap for a bit, but then, you know, develop into a superstar. Um, you know, people had the same thoughts with Matt Moylan and look how that turned out. He's right back at fullback, which I think is where his position is now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that with Ponga, but I'm saying it, it was it, it, it was just way too early. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can't exactly quote what show it was and who it was the other night. It was one of the Fox shows. Okay. Uh, one, of the, one of them was saying that it, it was a bit surprising how people still expected Kalen Ponga in the halves to do all these razzle-dazzle, you know, magic um, he's flashing stuff to get through the line. Exactly, when he has to engage the line. Mm. Because, yes, we know he was a ball-playing fullback, but when you are a half, you know, he was getting the ball and he was being sent in one direction, you know, being going with the play, um, in, engaging that um, engaging that uh, defensive line mm-hmm. and usually passing the ball. He didn't really have room to move and the freedom to do what he wanted, you know, to try and break the line or do something. Yeah, you know, When really- Ponga obviously gets the ball from a kick return at fullback he's got all that space to decide what he wants to do where he wants to go when you're playing in the halves you know in a lot of cases you're constricted to half of the field and you're not just going to get the ball and run straight if you're a half you're going to try and weave Mm -hmm. through get the defense coming at you and then make the pass i mean a lot less freedom for him before we get to kick returns just to touch back on what you said about engaging the line Typically, when you watch the Knights' formation last year, when Kalen Ponga was delivering those devastating short balls to Lachlan Fitzgibbon, was throwing those dynamic long balls out to his um, centres there, it was second phase play. He was getting the ball behind his main line. He had the decoy forward um, or or some sort of decoy in front of him to give him that extra space and room to do his sidestep or to get that pass off. But as you said, when you're the first, when you're the half, you're engaging the line. Exactly. So you're not buying yourself that extra time um, to obviously make the decision like he, the luxury he had last year at fullback. Um, I think this decision was a little bit too early to end the experiment, but I also think it was heavily influenced by Nathan Brown's performance-based contract because he doesn't have time mm-hmm. to muck around and keep experimenting this, get to round 13. Uh, what I'm trying to say essentially is, he doesn't have time to let Kalen Ponga develop for a whole year there because he could develop there all year, and in 2020, he could be one of the best 5.8s. But if the Knights finish 13th, I can say right now, Nathan Brown is gone. There's no incentive for the Knights to keep him. Realistically speaking, he's proven nothing in the NRL so far coaching, um, and they don't they won't care that he rebuilt that club, Oz. They won't care yeah. that he took the club through its hardest time ever. Rugby league, and in particular the NRL, is a savage industry, and I can yeah. tell you right now, he will be shown uh, shown the door, no doubt. He does not have time to muck around. And here's a little article I wrote during the week, and let me know what you think about this one. I've got some quotes in here. Um, from some of the pretty prominent figures within our game. This was in uh, regarding... Sorry, I'm just getting a message here from Reuben Garrett from the Manly Seagulls. So good. Oh. Um, so for the first 10 rounds last year, Valentine Holmes played fullback. He played a couple shockers round one and two, I'm sure you remember. And all yeah. the talk was, let's get him back on the wing. Former teammate, Michael Ennis, put Holmes on the Sharks' wing permanently. Matty Johns. I said it on Thursday night. For mine, Valentine Holmes isn't a fullback. He's a winger. Buzz Rothfield. 
The Cronulla Sharks are a better side, in my opinion, with Dugan at fullback, Ramian coming into the centres, and Val Holmes playing on the wing. However, we fast forward to the end of 2018, and with Billy Slater retired from Origin, there was no doubt who was the man to replace him. It was Valentine Holmes. He had announced himself as one of the best fullbacks in the game. In my opinion, he was a top five fullback. The only ones that could have been considered ahead of him are KP, Tulvasashek, Trevojevic, and RTS. He was a top five fullback because he had that entire year to develop. And what I'm sort of trying to get at here is, do you think if Nathan Brown wasn't on a performance-based deal and he could afford to leave KP at 5'8", do you believe by the end of 2019 we could be saying KP is one of the best halves in our game? Or do you simply believe this switch never should have occurred and it was far too early in his career? I mean, we could be saying that, but I still believe it was too early in his career. I mean, let's not forget with Valentine Holmes, he played two, three seasons on the wing before they started this experiment. That's true. Um, two, three full seasons. With Kalen Ponger, he'd played one full season at fullback. Um, and remember, at the Cowboys, I believe when he was playing, when he played a couple of games, I believe majority of those were in the centres or on the wing. So, you know, it was only really his first in the NRL, his first full year at fullback as well. So, yeah, just let him... Look, I do believe that one day he could become a great half. I do believe that they do need to restart this experiment. But in a couple of years down the track, I don't think straight away give him a good two, three years at fullback playing as an amazing fullback, proving why then he should uh, be moved into the halves. Obviously, we saw great stuff in Origin last year. Um, you know, we saw a great ball-playing fullback in Kalen Ponga for one year. Mm-hmm. We need more than one year. We need consistency throughout at least two or three seasons, I'm saying, mm-hmm. before we move him into the halves. That's just me. No, no, I absolutely agree. I think it might have been a little bit too early. And as you said, realistically, it was unnecessary. He, in his first full year of the NRL, um, probably would have won the Dalian if he didn't get injured towards the end there. Um, we can almost say he would have. Um, that's not taking anything away from Tulvasa Shek. That's just um, simply ha- how it is. It was never broken. So what? I don't know what Brownie was thinking there. Um, in terms of moving him, especially when he just signed Mason Leno um, from the New Zealand Warriors, who you know has been a very talented half coming through the ranks. Yeah. Um, and every time he placed, replaced Sean Johnson last year for the Warriors, they didn't take a backwards step. They um, still looked like a solid first-grade side. But we'll move on to tackle three. The Patrick Politoni KO punch in the Queensland Cup this weekend. Now, stand by, guys. I'm going to flick over to Google Chrome now, and you'll be able to see it. Go, That's Colotone in the middle there. He gets the push, and there's the punch there. I'll just play it again. There he is, number nine for Burley, guys. Head start. So as you can see there, he, um, he, I mean, he sparked him absolutely unconscious. Perhaps if um, the halfback there from Townsville Blackhawks didn't go down so hard, we wouldn't be talking about this. Um, but he was knocked completely unconscious. So that definitely is a contributing factor as to um, why this is so serious. Um, I believe 
Patrick Politoni is facing the judiciary tonight, the Queensland Rugby League judiciary. Um, he's expected to cop a very heavy fine. And here's a quote from Michael Parker Welsh, who was the halfback knocked out there. He said, It was probably a bit of a dickhead move on my part. To be completely honest, I've watched the incident and I was being a bit of a smart ass. We play a contact sport, and in the heat of the moment, that was his reaction. If we all had our time again, I wouldn't have patted him on the head. Um, what do you make of the situation? Does Politoni deserve a heavy suspension, a heavy fine, or a combination of the two? Um, it's a bit hard to... It's really hard to tell because obviously in today's game, it does warrant a you know hefty fine, mm-hmm. bit of a suspension, at least a couple of weeks, but... There are probably a lot of people out there watching that and thinking, oh, something refreshing, you know, a bit of the biff back, which, you know, whenever something like this happens, it always brings back that argument. Um, And it's just hard to say because, I don't know, man, I'm just thinking maybe... (sighs) Sort of Obviously, in today's game, yes, but overall... Do we want to be a bit more lenient towards this stuff? Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. though it is obviously terrible and he got knocked out. The knockout, that says to me, 100%, at least four weeks. You've yeah. injured the player. The question yeah. is, though, if he punched him and the other bloke didn't go down, you know, he copped it like a champion and uh, was still standing, obviously yeah. the punishment and the fine is heavily reduced. But I know you certainly sit um, on the same side of the fence here with me because you and I yeah. did write that um, column in the off-season, ref- referencing Lance Ho-Hire. And um, So You Want the Biff Back was the headline. Um, we went through some of the effects, how Lance Ho-Hire still can't remember that game. He has headaches, etc. Uh, he moved to the US just to completely get away from football as a result of the punch in the Super League Grand Final from Ben Flower. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people commented on that. Oh, this is a you know this is a terrible example. This was a coward punch. This doesn't happen. But it's... It did happen, and yeah. the, and the realistic factor behind it all is that can happen every time you throw a punch. I think absolutely by Pat Politoni, it was an overreaction, but no one here points the finger at the initial issue. And um, I need to preface this all by saying what Politoni did was wrong. He should be suspended and fined. But if we look at the initial issue, the halfback slaps him on the head from yeah. behind, which, I mean, I know I'm going to sound ridiculous here, but by the letter of the law... That is technically assault also. But yeah. no, no one cares that he did the slap first. Everyone cares that, oh, he retaliated and punched him. And, and no one would care about the slap either, Oz, if he didn't turn around yeah. and punch him. We know, yeah. As rugby league fans and, and potentially at a higher level of the game, we don't deal with this sort of, I guess, um, controversial stuff at the source of the subject. Yeah. At the initial point where, where it all sort of... I'm struggling to get this out, but at the initial sort of point where it all broke yeah. out, we just skip that and go straight to how it finished. But yeah. if we look at how it started, and I'm the QRL tonight, I'm also suspending the halfback and saying, look, you slap someone in the back of the head for no reason. You know, you're getting... A, you're obviously not getting suspended or fined as much, but you were a contributing yeah. factor to this if you had have been within your means and not... I'll use this loosely, assaulted him first, you wouldn't have got laid out. But, I mean, it's so touchy because the punch obviously was so devastating. Um, So, overall, that just throws it all in the air. Because if he slaps him, Oz, 
He turns around and punches him. Um, the punch doesn't knock him out. They're one for one. Um, you know, maybe he went a little bit too far with a punch. Yeah, but it's well, all just been completely blown out of the water with this. Um, obviously, the knockout blow with the knockout. Yeah. Mm. Look, the only argument there is one argument, and I still don't really agree with coming back. But there is one argument where I go, eh, that's sort of fair. Um, and this one was brought up to me by my dad, so shout out to him. We're watching. I think it was. I think it was round one, the bunnies up against the roosters, and he said this a couple of times before. Mm. He goes, so I think it was Latrell Mitchell. He was squaring up. I think it was, I forget who it was in particular. I think it might have been Sam Burgess squaring up, mouthing off, whatever. Mm-hmm. My dad said if this was back in the day where they were, they were allowed to punch, a centre would not be going up to a forward and just running his mouth. Yeah, the, niggle, it, was it, rem- yeah. the niggle was removed. Exactly. He would get knocked out. Yeah, and today we see it a lot of the time, which is probably a little bit frustrating to those players on the field. You know, there's some little, I don't know, it's like Preston Campbell going Jimmy up. Jimmy Maloney. He's the yeah, serial Jimmy pest Maloney. out there. Yeah, given, given his lit to um to Jason Taumalolo, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Taumalolo just stands there, maybe a bit of push and shove, but nothing really happens to Maloney. Mm-hmm. If, if this is back in, in the 80s, Maloney gets put on his ass, you know what I mean? Like No questions asked, so, exactly. So I think there's also, we obviously shouldn't bring back the Biff, but there should be sort of, oh, I, I don't know how we do it, but there should, should be should be something put in place to stop this instigating, I guess, because Other it's still pretty happen. bad. What's, that, it, what's yeah. the rule in hockey? You're allowed to go one-on-one. But yeah, as I mean, long as you take your gloves off. That's a terrible look for the game. Yeah. If you're just, you know, two people allowed to, what are the players going to do? Like gather a little pit around him and cheer and then I'll let her join in. But yeah. I guess to finish it all, I'll say what Politoni did was completely unnecessary. Uh, he should have handled himself better. But if the halfback doesn't slap him on the head initially, we don't progress to the further incident, which was, of course, him getting knocked out. Anything further from you before we flip over to tackle four? Not really. Let's uh, head on with the fourth tackle. All right, so Blake Ferguson wants a return to the New South Wales Blues side. Um, He refused to rule out. He actually talked to Brad Fittler, the Blues coach, recently on the phone. He didn't reveal what was said, um, but he did confirm that he's not done with Origin. Now, I will get you that quote up to be um, precise. I spoke to Brad on Monday, but I'll keep that between Brad and I. He was talking about the Origin recall. Um, It's definitely a goal. It's the best arena in the world, and I haven't won a series. If I was given an opportunity to play for New South Wales again, I'd take it with both hands and perform to the best of my ability. Um, Obviously, Blake Ferguson has been the form winger of the competition 2018. He certainly started this year in fine form also with his new club. But should the Blues be looking back or should they be messing with a winning formula? I suppose there's quite a few questions I can, uh, angles I can approach this. But I guess the easiest one is, should Ferguson be recalled into the Blues side? I don't think so. And as I alluded to earlier, this is where this saying is going to come back, don't fix what ain't broke. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we've obviously both got our origin sides here that we're going to get to in a moment. And yes, I do have a couple of changes there, but think about Queensland for the past 10 years or whatever. Sure, they had a couple of changes. Maybe someone would come into the bench, someone from the bench would go start, someone would drop down to the bench. Little changes from every year, but... The core was still there. The injury free. Yeah, injury free, of course. Slater was there. Um, Smith was there. Mm-hmm. Thurston Crowell. was there. 
JT, um, Kronk, and Darren Lockie a, a bit, yeah, a bit earlier than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You've you've got to display intent that you trust these guys, even if look, even if a couple of them aren't in the best form. And I don't mean playing absolutely ter- terribly, but I mean not playing to a higher level. Sometimes you still got to back those guys because they will show up in Origin, and you got to show faith. Otherwise, you know, if they do get picked again, they might not play as well. You've got to have. And you've got to build that chemistry, that connection between the players, obviously, as well. New South Wales would pretty much have an almost an entirely new team each year, other than maybe Paul Gallen. Um, Luke Lewis was probably in there most years, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Clemmer and Jackson throughout the later years, but generally they'd chop and change the team all the time, especially the spine. You know, I think maybe Robbie Farrell was in for a cu- couple of years, then, no, sorry, it was Michael Ennis for a couple of years, then Robbie Farrell again, then Michael Ennis, then Nathan Peets popped up and I think they're set with Cook now and you know Mitchell Pierce was in every, in every two years and uh, I think even Jared Mullen might have played an origin game at yeah, one point it was Jamie Soud was in for a couple you know what I mean Peter Wallace as well there was certainly you know, no pick and stick policy like the Queenslanders it, employed exactly I mean I could probably go on and s- say more names I didn't even name the two as Trent Hodginson and Josh Reynolds that actually won them a series mm-hmm. so you know what I mean they they're just too many names. You've got to have more consistency with who you pick. So Yeah, I look, agree. Fer- Fergo, I know you've had your time. Don't get me wrong. He's he's playing incredibly right now. He is a great attacking winger. Um, I would not, and we saw this at the Roosters last year especially, I would not trust him on the wing when someone's trying to score a try against him, when he's one-on-one defending against another winger. Generally, for me, nine times out of ten, that other winger scores. He's not the best defensive winger for me. Great attacking winger, one of the best in the game. And obviously my pick for top try scorer this year, which he's not there right now, but I'd say he's like top five. So, Mm. I mean, he's looking okay so far, but not origin, not anymore. I agree. While look back, um, you've got your winning formula now. You don't want to make uh, too many changes to that spine um, unless completely necessary. Um, And whilst Blake Ferguson is in career best form, uh, I, I would just say... Why look back? Like he had his chance. It wasn't his fault they didn't win, but he has had his chance, and um, there's not too much reason to change. Um, I, I wouldn't be completely upset if he was selected, though, um, and I can see why. Perhaps you would want a player like that who's in career best form, and what that would do for his confidence in an Origin game. Um, Let's go through our teams. Now, as we said at the start, Origin is becoming an all-year discussion. Um, and certainly, um, it, for me, it seems quite early to be listing this team. But um, who, who have you yeah. got for fullback to start off with? Fullback, James Tedesco still. Yep. He's locked it down. Absolutely yeah. agree. Who are your wingers? Okay, first of all, Tom Trevojevic, which I think a couple of people might change, and not by taking him out of the side, but maybe by changing him to maybe... Probably not fullback, but into the centres or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in a manly side that I still don't think will play well, they have a better chance of playing well when he's in the side, so I believe. And we saw that in round three, of course. So yeah. I've got him in there. And Josh Adokar, I don't think he loses that role, the yep. Fox. I've got Josh Adokar and either Kotrick or Ferguson on the other wing. Okay. I think the only thing that could have... Uh, Kotrick is, um, you know, such a powerful ball runner early in the set, etc. just like Ferguson... Both good finishes. I think Kotrick's a little bit better defensively. I think Fergo offers you a little bit more in attack. Um, 
both players may be affected by their club's form, although the Raiders have looked better in recent weeks. My centers are Latrell Mitchell. I think he's locked in. And Tom Travojevic instead of James Roberts. Um, James Roberts has been battling injuries already this year. He has typically shown in the past he's very injury-prone, um, whether that was at the Titans and then since he's joined the Broncos. And I just think Tommy Turbo in the centers um, get his hands on the footy a little bit more. We saw what he's capable of um, in his first game back from hamstring injury. Two tries, two try assists. So I'd like to see him in the centers getting his hand on the ball a little more. Uh, okay. Your centers? Um, Latrell Mitchell is locked in 100%. Now, I've got Roberts here, but in brackets, I've got just. Now, I don't actually think he will be my pick coming near origin time. It's just because the player who I do, who I am sort of leaning towards, Jesse Ramian, um, obviously hasn't played a lot. He's been playing, you know, in the centers for Newcastle this mm. year. I need to see a bit more. I think I will see a bit more. That's why I'm probably going to lean towards Jesse Ramian once origin um once it becomes origin time but at the moment i think i've still got to go roberts but you know that one is likely to change for me okay uh any changes to your halves uh so this one's an odd one so at at halfback i've got cleary for five eighth i've got two so I've got either Luke Keary or James Maloney. Luke Keary, probably my preferred. Yeah. And um, this is ma- mainly because um, Maloney's getting older. He is not... A lot of these players that we're reading out, they're going to be in the blues side, hopefully for the next five to 10 years. Can't see that with Maloney. Injury prone as well. Um you know, you could say you want the chemistry in there between him and Cleary from Penrith, which is good, but I don't think, you know, chemistry in the halves necessarily. Well, it obviously does win you series, but I believe you can sort of, you know, if if you put two great halves together, even if they've not played together before, generally they do sort of fit well together. Generally, of course. Especially when Kiri's shown that he can take a back seat and employ a running game. Um, he does that with Cooper Cronk. When Cooper Cronk's out, he's able to take the reins yeah. and steer the side around. So he's very versatile in that respect. Yeah, definitely. He can do both. Um, look back to the grand final last year. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he, he took control. Cronk um, was pretty much there to talk in the grand final. If yeah. he wasn't such an influential player that could sort of direct the team around with his words, he wouldn't have been there. Yep. Simple as that because he, he was not going to play a good game. Thankfully, Luke Keary, though, he had the talent. He showed it on the big stage and won the Clive Churchill medal. So it's hard to go past Keary. If Keary isn't picked um, at 5'8", he is definitely still in the squad. And I'll get to that soon when we get a bit further down the mm. team. Yeah, I agree with what you said there. Kiri, like you said, offers a little bit more versatility in terms of Maloney nearing the end of his career. He's only signed until the end of 2020. He will go to the Super League after that. Um, so you're only going to have him for this series and maybe next, whereas you could have Kiri for up to the next decade. Um, and I think he would make a good partner with Cleary. If Cleary got injured, Kiri, this is like a rhyme, Kiri would obviously be able to take on a more um, dominant role um, as opposed to the running role he would probably employ with Cleary there. Uh, my front row is Clemmer, Cook, and Paul Vaughan at this stage. Um, any changes to that for you? Mine is Clemmer, Cook, and Vaughan. Mm, the beautiful. Uh, my back row is Cordner, Frizzell, Travojevic. Mine is Cordner, Frizzell, Travojevic. 
beautiful. Who have you got for yeah. your bench utility? Because I've got Tyrone Peachy, but if I had to pick the side today, um, he would not be there. He needs to improve very sharply and very fast as the Titans because I'm sure you would know, we're both Titans fans. He's just been very underwhelming and... Uh, it's he's like either been he's he's been too hands on and it's failing, or not enough hands on and it's you know inject yourself, do something. Yeah, gotta find a balance. So, um, who, who have you actually got for your utility there? Because uh, so I've got Maloney slash Kiri. I've got them both mm. playing Origin. It's just who plays in that starting role, who comes on with like twenty minutes to go. I've got Maloney probably, and look, it's realistically going to be a case where if if Kiri's in, Maloney's out entirely. If Maloney's out, Kiri maybe in that utility role, but probably out entirely. It's probably one or the other. But for yeah. me, I've got the other one pretty much because I can't really think of anyone else at the moment either. But, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, I probably prefer Kiri starting Maloney off the bench. And the argument for mm-hmm. that is he's got experience in origin. Um, you know, it would be great around the camp. Obviously, you know, he's still got that sort of relationship with Nathan Cleary as well. Mm-hmm. Can sort of make sure Nathan's head sort of straight, I guess you could say, going into the game, even though he's not going to be there for a lot of it. And, you know, for the last 20 minutes, comes on, swaps with probably Cleary or could come on, you know, he could have three halves on there. It's origin. Um, you know, and sort of then have that working relationship with Nathan Cleary. But, I've um, got to yeah. disagree. I don't think you get any benefit from carrying Maloney on the bench. If I had to pick a utility right now today, um, I'd probably go with Tyrone Peachy because you know he did the job last year, um, and he, he typically has shown at the Panthers he was very good coming off the bench. Um, maybe a smoky Victor Radley. He can obviously play hooker, lock, back row. Um, but there's certainly no one really throwing their hand up to definitely be in that 14 jersey at this would, stage of the year. Would you consider, now I know he is not really a utility player, he is more sort of still in that halves mould. Would you maybe look at Luke Brooks in that 14? No. I wouldn't carry no. any any 5'8", any like top tier okay. 5'8 or half. I wouldn't carry them in that 14 jersey, um, especially someone like Luke Brooks, whose um, strength is yeah. their directing of the squad. I I just think, you know, Kiri and Cleary, they've been out there for 60 minutes directing that team around. Then all of a sudden, a third voice comes out in the last 20 when your forwards are a little bit fatigued, when you're out of interchanges. Uh, I just think that could really disrupt the team chemistry. So if I'm picking a 14 there, I want it to be someone with ball-playing ability, like Peachy, um, but also versatility and and, um, ball-running ability, which is Peachy certainly has all three of those. How do you round out your bench? Um, Crichton, Campbell-Gillard, who were obviously there last year, but 17, you've actually brought his name up, Victor Radley. Okay. Got him coming up from the Emerging Blue squad, not as that utility player, probably straight into the Ford pack. Mm. Um, you don't rate me, Cameron Murray above Radley so far this year? I think Murray's played a little bit better so far, especially um, given he's a smaller body and he's playing lock in the middle. Yeah, this this year probably at the moment, yeah, but I think eventually, you know, you look at the names here, um, you know, he's got a teammate in there, and I'm not saying, you know, you need to pick, if you've got a lot of Roosters players, you need to pick more Roosters players, but I'm saying, look, okay. 
Tedesco's there, Mitchell's there, um, mm-hmm. Kiri I've got there. You know, you're looking Cordner. at Cordner too, um, Crichton. I mean, okay. it is. It that's definitely helps have chemistry. So that's sort of why I'm leaning more towards Radley. And I think as the year progresses, I think um, Radley will continue to improve. Um, mm. So look, obviously I've got like half a Roosters side here, but the Roosters are also the team I'm picking to go back to back and win the comp. So I mean... I'm yeah, sort of trying to keep that in mind as well. There's no real surprises there, given um, you know the Queensland Maroons team for the past decade has predominantly been Broncos, so I've got no um, issues with what you said there. You certainly raised a good point about Radley having that cohesion where um, Murray otherwise might not. Uh, I round out my bench with um, Tarek Sims. I think he's the most aggressive back rower in the game right now. I really think um, if he keeps his form, you can't leave him out of origin. Although he did spill over in Game 3 last year. He gave away a crucial penalty. Um, that is footy. I've got Ryan James Oz because he can obviously play in the front row if you need a replacement there. But he's also um, shown an ability to play on the edge. I think he's better in the middle, but he can play on an edge. And then I've got Regan Campbell-Gillard. Um, I just think with Sims and Campbell-Gillard coming off the bench, that's some really great aggression there. And then, as I said, Ryan James, he probably won't be selected. He's been so close for years, but he can play on that edge um, and front row. Someone else who can play on the edge and in the front row um, slash middle is Tevita Pangai Jr. Um, we obviously both don't have him in yeah. our squad. For me... What I've seen so far, it's wildly inconsistent. Um, his game against the Cowboys was, um, you know, he he basically was the Jason Tamalello out there that game. And then the next game, his defense uh, let in at least one try I saw where he fell off an easy tackle. And I've actually compared the stats between the two, Oz. Um, so Tavita Pengai Jr. played a couple more games than Jack DeBellin in 2018. I believe he played... Sorry, he played 22. Jack DeBellin played 25. So he played the whole year. Tavita Pangai Jr. had more missed tackles than DeBellin, and he'd only made half of that amount. Um, in terms of all the running stats, Tavita Pangai Jr. was slightly better in all of those. But once I got to that defense stat there, um, making less tackles and having making uh, half the tackles and having more missed tackles... I thought that was pretty concerning there. Other notable exclusions, I left out James Roberts, as I said. Just think he's a little bit too injury-prone. Jack DeBellin, I don't think he'll have enough time to prove his form. Matt Lodge, I think he's a great player, but I don't think he'll be there for origin. I've left out Angus Crichton. I think his new bench okay. role at the Roosters may affect his selection. He's only playing um, when he's been coming off the bench like 20 minutes. Uh, I'd love to get his season average, actually, but... It, I've got no doubt it's down from his time at South last year. Um, and I've also left out James Maloney. Anything further from you before we move on to tackle five? Uh, not really. Just on Crichton, I guess. That sort of just brought up a point that reminded me of something. That bench roll that he's got at the Roosters is sort of what stops me from putting him into the starting lineup as well. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of last year, I thought for sure, okay, I'm going to have Angus Crichton probably starting maybe over Frizzell, obviously not Cordner, maybe in a lock, although he's not really, you know, I'd say he's more better used in the second row. Mm-hmm. So uh, look, that's probably what's influenced that. Um, and I'd say it sort of helps, you know, him coming off the bench, but, you know, in origin, you've probably got to play a few more minutes as a forward coming off the bench. But it has also influenced my position, um, my 
decision to have Radley in the squad as well because um, this gives him more time in club football to sort of prove himself as well. Absolutely. As we move on to tackle five, this one is a nice, simple one. Will the North Queensland Cowboys continue to struggle without Jason Tamalalo and why? If so, if not, why won't they? Um, I think it's sort of 50-50 on this one. I think there will be games where they'll think, oh, they're missing Tamalolo. There will also be games where you could probably say, okay, if Tamalolo was there, whether they... The the result of the game probably doesn't change that much. Um, I think it's more 50-50 personally. They are obviously going to miss the amount of metres he can make. Um, That's definitely one. But, you know, in the first half against Cronulla on the weekend, um, for me, they didn't look like they missed him too much. And even, Mm. even when Cronulla got going in that second half... You know, they obviously missed him in defence. Probably, you know, his influence probably would have got him would have got him going. Probably would have stopped a couple of those tries. But um, you know, I feel like his presence is probably more missed in attack for the Cowboys, mm. uh, if I could put it that way. Um, so obviously, he probably would have influenced the result a bit against Cronulla, but I still think Cronulla probably get the win in that game. Some sort of fifty fifty mixed bag. I think some games, they will still do all right. I think they'll be a bit inconsistent anyway. Some games, they'll play all right. Some games, they'll probably lose and, you know, people will just be sitting back and going, geez, you know, they really missed Tao Malolo on that one. So I'm a bit of a mixed bag on that one. Well, I've got some of the stats from the Sharks game. I, I don't think they necessarily would have won with Jason Tamalolo. You more so spoke on meters there. I'm more concerned on his ability to sort of break that defensive line or bend it, if you will. I, yep. I think to a lesser extent, their middle forwards, McLean and Scott, are able to capitalize on that and sort of get the ball rolling. But I think on a much greater scale, their edge forwards, Cooper and um, Cohen Hess, when that defensive line is set, they're not able to sort of um, you know get the ball rolling and, and, and run those sort of dynamic lines um, a little bit wider uh, because they don't have someone in the middle bending that defensive line and making sure it's not fully set, ready to come up and engage. I certainly think this period why Tamalolo's out will certainly be saying by the end of it, yes, he is worth $1 million, um, just okay. purely for the fact they will miss him that much. Uh, some of the stats from that game was the Sharks completed at 65%. With the completion rate that, that you should not be in a football game. Um, they had The Cowboys had two line breaks. Um, Tamalolo had more than that himself uh, yeah. against the, just the Dragons. Um, they only had 12 tackle breaks in the whole game. Again, Jason Tamalello usually has about eight himself yeah. in a game. Um, but it's the negative plays for Cronulla that really concerned me. They gave away nine penalties, Cowboys only six. They had 16 errors, Cowboys only nine. Um, I mean, with those stats... You should yeah. not be winning a football game. Uh, in saying that, the Cowboys did miss 33 tackles to Cronulla's 12. So I think that's you know, that's the overall largest contributing factor. But certainly everything else I touched on along the way um, added to the loss there and, and sort of proved a little bit as to how much they missed Tamalolo. 
Who have they got this week? I believe they have the Raiders at home, so they'll be looking to bounce back. I'll just confirm that. They do have the Raiders on Saturday at 5.30. Raiders forward pack. Papali, Dinamis Louie, Hodgson, Bateman, Whitehead, Sutton, Harvilli, Young, Soliola, and Corey Horsburgh. So pretty inexperienced forward pack there in terms of NRL. I mean... Dinamis Louie has always sort of been a fringe first grader. Bateman is new to the NRL. So is Sutton. Yeah, um, Bateman is looking really good, though, at the yeah, moment. No. I think I think he's probably a bit more of a danger now that Taumalolo is out. Okay. Because it, it, it would be... And I'd love to see it, Bateman up against Taumalolo to really see how good Bateman is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if Taumalolo is in that game, Bateman isn't able to have as much influence because... You know, Taumalolo would just outplay him, yeah. simply outplay him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so relatively inexperienced bench as well, besides Soliola. Harvilli's had the season or two under his belt. Tapane is named in the reserves. He may return. Um, it's just weird that we're talking about this, though, because if I read this Cowboys pack to you, Scott, Granville, McLean, Cooper, Hess, Maguire... You lost the Tongan international lock and you replaced him with the Australian international lock and we're still sitting here saying how much how much I think they're going to miss him in coming weeks. It is just strange, but Tamalello is just an extraordinary footballer and, um, I mean, we've spoke about this on previous episodes. Yeah. You can argue that he's one of the greatest locks already and he's still early into his career. Um. But to, just to finish again, um, after everything I've sort of said there, did that sort of change your swing a little bit, or you still think the Cowboys won't miss him that much? Oh, I still think they'll definitely miss him, just not every single game. Like, I still mm-hmm. think they'll get a couple of wins under their belt. Yep. Uh, to sort of sum up for me, they will miss him greatly in attack. Mm-hmm. Still miss him in defense, but not as much, mainly in attack. Okay, and before we move on, you've still got the Cowboys missing the eight? Still going to miss in the eight, whether he's there or not. Mm. See, I had them in the eight, but that was before, the, obviously, the Ben Barber incident, and I think he would just... Like, the style of football there, they were playing on the back of Tamalolo. Michael Morgan was obviously getting his running game going. Martin was. All the other forwards were jumping on the back of it. You can imagine how deadly Ben Barber would have been with all that yeah, room well, and space to move. But Yeah, the Cowboys' back line is probably the main... They don't look like a premiership-winning back line. There's not enough X-Factor or Strike. Exactly. I, I completely agree. They're I, still trying yeah. to find find out what's working there. I mean, they still have Kyle Phelps yeah. return at wing. But Ben Hampton in the centres, he's a fringe he's... grader. He's a fringe half. Jordan Kahu in the centres, he's a winger. Um, and Tamari Martin at fullback, he's a 5'8". They have players playing out of position there. Yeah. And... And I mean, Nane McDonald, yes, you know, mm. experienced winger, but you don't necessarily hear Nane McDonald's name in, you know, the talks of, wow, he's in form, he might get a go at Origin, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I think I think he's Queensland, I think he's eligible. You don't, you know, generally, if you're playing half in form, your name's chucked out there for Origin. I've never heard Nane McDonald's name in the mix sort of thing. You know, he's never really been an in-form winger. Yeah, definitely. Just before we move on, one last thing on the Cowboys. Justin O'Neill. One yeah. line break assist, one try assist, two tries in the two games dropped. 
he has really had a fall from the top given he was an origin center origin player well he was dropped from origin after was it game one last year yeah he knocked the ball coming off his own try line but yeah we're getting really off traffic there so i do apologize we'll get to our last tackle guys we're going to run it six and last south sydney rabbitohs coach wayne bennett has said greg inglis you are not playing with um, if you need or require painkilling injections or medication. This is another story I've wrote a small column on early today, guys. So before round two, GI took painkilling injections unbeknown to his coach, Wayne Bennett. The master coach has since told GI he will not continue as he worries about his star's long-term health. Now, there's two sides of the story here, Oz. Does the player know his body best so it's his decision or is the coach looking out for his general well-being and uh, he's the coach, he gets the final say? Where do you sort of sit on the side of the fence there? I mean, the coach does get the final say. Obviously, he's the Mm -hmm. coach. He's the one that picks the team. Mm -hmm. You know, you you won't see, if Greg Inglis isn't picked in the team, you won't see him pushing through everyone to try and get out onto the field on game day. But uh, it's the coach should really take into consideration how the player is feeling, you know, sort of even with these injections or whatever. I mean, I think it was last year, James Maloney had three quarter zone injections last year, I believe, Yep. for Penrith. And that, that was the maximum. He had those like halfway through the year. Penrith didn't drop him. Penrith needed him in the squad. And I sort of feel like... Inglis might be sort of in the same boat there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not going to matter anyway because, I mean, when you're replacing Greg Inglis with the second coming second coming of Jesus Christ, I mean, it's 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 okay. And this year's Rookie of the Year, Corey Allen. So that, that'll be fine. But um, no, it is unfortunate for J.I. if he does miss out because of this, if he is feeling fit and healthy. And mm-hmm. mentally, it can hurt as well. Can Obviously, Inglis, he has spoken out in the past recently as well about sort of his mental state um, and how it sort of deteriorated a little bit. It's definitely not going to help if he is not getting picked when he is fit. You know, he's not getting picked out of not being in form. He's not getting picked because he is taking steps to better himself yeah. physically so he can go out and play. So that one's a bit odd there for me for um, Wayne Bennett. But, you know, as long as um, as long as long the new King of Redfern, Corey Allen's playing, I'm happy. Yeah, nah, but you touched honestly. on Maloney there. Last year, a lot of people don't know this, he got a lot of flack for his defense. He couldn't feel his arm from below yeah. his shoulder. Um, obviously, he had he had neck surgery in the offseason. He had a horrible run of injuries last year, and people don't give him enough credit for playing through those injuries. He was pretty brave. Um, whether that was a decision he made or the club made, certainly if it was a decision the club made, I'm just going to go on the record right now and say that was absolutely retarded. Given you have Jerome Luai, um, who looks great, okay. Samoan international, um, I would have undoubtedly brought him in. But we'll go back to Greg Inglis. So I'm happy with this this decision, Oz. Um, Wayne Bennett has coached slash seen it all. And I okay. understand that Greg Inglis knows his body best, but sometimes football players are too, too tough for their own good. And I'm not just talking short term. Oh, he's too tough for his own good. He's going to have a sore shoulder uh, for the next 10 rounds. No, I'm, I'm looking more long term into this. He plays now. He could sustain very serious damage that will continue to affect him throughout the rest of his life. Um, and we know Greg Inglis is on pretty thin ice at the moment. His body, his hamstrings, ankles, shoulders, it's all sort of just giving out on him. So I'll finish by saying... 
It's a selfless decision by Bennett because I've got no doubt with Braden Burns out injured now, he, yeah. he would love to have Greg Inglis there. Um, and I wouldn't say he needs Greg Inglis there, but you would much like to replace your most informed center with the Queensland Maroons captain and center in Greg Inglis. So it's a selfless decision, and I'm happy that Wayne Bennett is thinking more so of GI's long-term health as opposed to short-term success with a rugby league club. Well, just to interject quickly, I think we need to not leave the middleman out in this situation. Club doctors, physicians, whatever, their opinion obviously needs to be taken into account too Mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter if you're a coach or a player when dealing with injuries, they're the ones that knows what's going on. If the Rabbitohs physician goes to Wayne Bennett and says, look, we've given him the injections, everything seems Fine, there is a high chance that he will not get injured in the next game, you know, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. Then why shouldn't Wayne Bennett pick him? You know what I mean? Yep. If a qualified professional is saying, look, he okay. is good to go, yep. these injections have really helped, he's good to go. And Greg Inglis says mentally, yep, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I agree. It's obviously not fine, but these injections have helped it. If both Inglis and more importantly, that's probably the most important influencer that we're forgetting. The physician, if he says Inglis is good to go, mm-hmm. then when it when it Bennett should probably pick him. If the physician's saying, okay, we've given him the injection, um, we're on the fence. He could he'll play. Be at, yeah, he 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 could play. I'm leaning more towards that. Maybe he should play, but there is still a little bit of risk. Then I understand Wayne Bennett saying, okay, we'll rest him for this game or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no doubt. It, I think the physician, the club doctors, whatever, they're opinion probably matters the most in this decision yeah that's a really great point to finish the podcast on guys if you've made it this far thank you so much for watching all our social medias are above us here um if you're watching this on youtube listening on spotify etc um you can find us on all those links there if you've made it this far guys why not throw the podcast on your instagram story and remember to tag at clarkies nrl column at nrl my opinion and we'll try and feature you on our stories also thanks so much for watching the set of six podcast guys um we'll go we'll, i'll pass over to you oz but we will see you guys next week um every wednesday muchas gracias <laughs>